Hello, I'm Net88. Welcome to my podcast where I chat to geocachers to learn more about this amazing game. Welcome to Geocaching with Net88. You may notice that I am not Net88. That is because Net is the guest this episode. My name is Kate Norris. I'm the guest host today because I'm a friend of Net and host of the Presentation Boss podcast. I've found enough geocaches with my kids to know what it is, but not enough to, well, know much. If you're listening to this today when it's released, we're celebrating Net's birthday and what better way to celebrate than put her in the hot seat as a guest on her own show. So Net88, welcome to your own podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. I'd love to thank me for having me as a guest today. (laughs) All right, Net, why don't we start by telling us about yourself? Who is Net88 when she's not geocaching or making a podcast about geocaching? When I'm not geocaching or making a podcast about geocaching, you can normally find me either at work as a disability support worker, or when I'm not at work, I am either at Toastmasters learning about podcasting and public speaking, or I am at a table playing Dungeons and Dragons, getting out my creative battle side. Quite the diverse hobby list. Yeah, well, you know, I cast a wide net. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, when did you start geocaching? I started geocaching in September 2010. Uh, This month is actually my 10-year anniversary for the hobby. So it feels like a lifetime, but it's been a third of my life that I've been a geocacher. Yeah, of course. How did you actually get into it? I was at a barbecue and there was a group standing over there kind of talking about something that seemed vaguely interesting. So I went over and learnt about what geocaching was. That night I downloaded the app that was kind of newly released. And a couple of days later, I went out to find my first one, which I DNF'd. Uh, But then I went to find a second one, which I did find. So that is kind of my origin story into the hobby. I actually find that fascinating because I know for myself, I've heard about geocaching over the years and it actually sounded very strange and um, boring is not the word, but it sounded too obscure to get into from one or two conversations. It wasn't until I met you and Captain Terra that I really started to understood it and had any interest in it. So I find that just fascinating that from one conversation at a barbecue that you got into it. So what was it that attracted you from that conversation? Do you remember? It was 10 years. Well, one of the guys that was talking about it was kind of cute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is all making sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was just really fascinated though. And I was heading into the city in a couple of days anyway. So I thought, you know, why not give it a go? I didn't have any hobbies back then. It was just work. I was doing kind of a hundred hours a fortnight um, Mm. at work and I just wanted something else to be able to do in my downtime. Yeah. Okay. No, that does make a lot more sense. And so you said you've been 10 years. How many have you found in that time now? I think it's about 4,400. I don't really look at my find count too closely. I do have a couple in my backlog that I still have to log. Uh, but yeah, it's it's that mid 4,000 range. Yeah, right. Oh, that, that just feels huge to me. I know you've had guests who have had more, but 4,400, holy dooly. All right. <laughs> and it's my understanding that once you've started to find some and you get an understanding of the game, you then become a hider yourself. So I understand that you've hidden some as well. Yeah, so you don't have to become a hider if 
that's something that mm-hmm. doesn't kind of suit what your lifestyle is. There are a lot of people who kind of will hide a cache and then they'll stop geocaching and then they don't maintain them. So if you're going to be someone that may not have enough time to maintain your caches, then I wouldn't recommend becoming a hider. So I did hide my first geocache at 100 finds because back then that was kind of the norm. Everyone was recommending you got to 100 finds and then you hid your first geocache, Mm -hmm. something that uh, surprisingly a lot of my guests have also recommended. So it kind of brings me the warm and fuzzies to know that that recommendation is still a thing. Yeah, right. Um, I look back at the geocaches that I've hidden and I've hidden... uh, in the 30s Uh, again I don't look at numbers super closely but all of my favorites are the ones kind of the latest half of the ones I've hidden the ones that I've put more effort and more detail into all of the first ones that I've hidden I've archived since because they're just not something that I really want to tie my name to but there's some that I'm super proud of so that's so are you saying you did something and practiced it and you got better Yeah. What a revelation. I know. Imagine that. (laughs) So you said if you're not going to really stay interested and maintain your geocaches, then don't hide them. So what keeps you coming back? Why are you still a geocacher today after 10 years? So in the 10 years, I've definitely had kind of peaks and troughs in how much I geocache myself. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of really big years between kind of 2012 and 2015 where I was geocaching nearly every day and I every had every day yeah Jeez. yeah I had uh there was one year that I found 1200 or something that year alone um and then it slowly dropped off a little bit now uh, there were a couple of years there that I kind of dropped off my friend circle changed um kind of priorities changed a little bit mm-hmm. I was still kind of getting out once or twice a month but nothing huge I would get one here or there and mainly when I was traveling but I guess now having a podcast about it I've kind of gotten into it a little bit more and I've tried to get out and see the new geocaches in the area yeah I like that because I always think if you're going to be involved in something get involved properly dive in all the way yeah I like that so you said like you would find one every day how does that actually impact in your daily life then it's a hobby that's really quite pervasive into everyday life by the sounds yeah so when I was finding an incredible number per year I actually didn't even have a car back then so it was if I was going to be taking the bus to work then I might take a different route or I'd get off at a different stop and find one nearby before going to work I look back at it now and I look at my sheer determination and I marvel at that past net who would go for an extra half an hour walk to find one geocache and now I'm kind of like oh I've got to drive that way oh okay (laughs) um but I guess like back then when I was new to geocaching everything was new and shiny and I wanted to find it all and I wanted uh it it was a big thing about getting a bunch of finds back then it was oh you've got this many geocaches that's amazing I wasn't really aware of different goals you could find or Mm -hmm. you know even the capability of saying I don't love that type of hide so I'm just not gonna go and find it it was a, a bit like the Pokemon, I gotta gotta catch them all. I gotta find yeah. them all. Um, so, do you get that feeling of when you look at the map and you've still got little green dots everywhere? Do you get that feeling of like I want to turn them into smileys? Look at me with the lingo. I know. I know. This is really <laughs> really proud of you. Um, it really depends to me on more than just the icon. It. Mm-hmm. I want to find 
all of the geocaches hidden by like certain geocache owners yeah because uh, i really like how they hide geocaches or i want to find things that are going to challenge me and push me out of my little little safety bubble if, if i look at the map of brisbane there are so many geocaches that i will never find just because yeah. they're not what tickles my fancy anymore and i think that that's fine is to know that not every geocache is for every person and you know you you have full uh, control over what you find or don't find because that seems to me to be damn near impossible anyway to find like all of the geocaches in an area because i've looked at the map of even brisbane and it's crazy how many there are yeah and it's kind of upsetting when you clear a map and then a little bit later another one pops up yeah so it's a never-ending battle yeah yeah like we went on a road trip a couple of years ago and there's this tiny little town called surat uh, out past tara Mm -hmm. um heading towards saint george we visited there and we cleared out the town there are six or so geocaches and we found them all and then when we got home to log them one had been released when we were out there but we didn't have internet so we didn't check (laughs) so even now like that tiny little town with which was going to be cleared out. There's just one one little green box there, so I don't really worry about clearing out an area. Yeah. I'm going to go back a bit here. You mentioned about friendship circles changing earlier, and I know like hobbies are such a way to meet people. Is that something that you found with geocaching as well, meeting people? Definitely. I think that one of the main reasons I'm still geocaching is because of the people that I've met. A lot of people look at geocaching as a hobby that they can do by themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't love geocaching by myself. Uh, I just feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I think with my anxiety, uh, being out by myself in a sp- hobby that can be perceived as a little bit weird and a little bit kind of dodgy depending on where you are. I do prefer to have people with me geocaching and that means that those friendships are going to build even more. I do think that the people that I've met in geocaching are some of my closest friends and it was one of the reasons I started this podcast was for another reason to chat to them and like catch up with them. So yeah, the people that I've met in geocaching to me are almost more important than the geocaches I found along the way. Yeah. And I mean, every hobby is weird and unusual and obscure to anyone who's outside of it. Yeah. So I don't think that that's unusual. Um, I've certainly teased most people's hobbies really, including geocaching in the past. But when you look into the community and you see, um, clearly there's a lot of strong bonds that are formed between people. Let's dive into the podcast then what you just mentioned. What, apart from just having these chats with people, what did lead you to starting a podcast about geocaching? Originally, I needed a podcast for a project in Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to do it because podcasting is something that I had never really experienced on this side. I listen to podcasts all the time, but I had never thought about doing one on my own. And I was sitting down, I was trying to think about what kind of podcast I would produce. And I was thinking about my hobbies and I've only recently gotten into Dungeons and Dragons, so I I wouldn't really get into that. I felt like a Toastmasters podcast, because I needed a podcast for Toastmasters, would be a little bit too meta. Lame. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I thought about geocaching. And originally I didn't feel that... 
I was a big enough name in the geocaching community to do a podcast on geocaching. It was a little bit of a, well, why would we listen to her? She was only like 4,400 finds, you know, blah, blah, blah. Only 4,400. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like, like I, I don't feel like I'm a huge name in geocaching. And then I had a look at the geocaching podcast that I could find and there was only one in Australia that was really well known and I couldn't find any geocaching podcasts worldwide that were ran by just one woman and I thought that that was something that probably could change Mm. so that was realistically where I got down to and I decided to have more of an interview style podcast than a just listen to me talk for 10 to 20 minutes because even I don't like listening to myself for that long and yeah that that's how we got here I was only going to do six episodes because that's all that the project needed me to do this is episode 18 so I've kind of beaten that six Um, and at the moment I'm just looking at going for a year and then seeing what the response is from that Yeah, awesome. And have you noticed a response from it? I've noticed a lot of people that have said, thanks for going for more than just six. Um, That's positive. Yeah, yeah. I do have like a small group of people that do regularly send me messages saying that they've really enjoyed the podcast and that kind of thing. I've noticed that I've gotten a few international listeners that seem to be listening frequently Mm -hmm. and regularly. So that makes me really happy too. Um, Shout out to... To those people. Um, but yeah, I think it's just something that I'm really surprised at how well received it was overall. I thought that it was just going to be this little thing that, you know, me and my close friends would listen to. But I think I've had about 1500 listens to the podcast overall by now. And that cool was, yeah, it's about 1450 more than I thought I'd get. So that's... <laughs> It's really good. <laughs> Just your mum downloading all the episodes. <laughs> I don't even think mum listens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said you were the only woman-run geocaching podcast. Man, that's a mouthful. Um, so I want to ask, do you notice any sort of gender bias towards men or women in the geocaching community? Uh, I'm the only female geocaching podcast that I could find. There may be one. Um, it just didn't come up in my first kind of yep. 30, uh, which by itself is is a big thing. Though, interestingly, I do find that in the geocaching community, at least in Southeast Queensland, it is very evenly split. Yeah, right. Has geocaching taught you anything about yourself that you think you maybe would not have discovered without it? I think that when I'm not geocaching and when I'm not with a group of people, I'm very comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't often push myself out of my boundaries. I've got my safe little squishy bubble and that's my bubble. But doing things like really long hikes or paddling across Wyvernhoe and suddenly realizing that there is a time limit that we have to get back to the car or it's starting to get dark, we really should finish this hike and I have to push myself harder And somehow I haven't been just left behind the pack. And it's kind of that group mentality of everyone needs to get home safely. So you kind of push yourself harder because you don't want to be the person trailing the group behind and you also want everyone to be safe. So you just kind of push yourself harder. So I think that it is a really good community and a really good way to learn what your real limits are. 
Uh, I think that if I'm walking by myself and I see something is like a one kilometer walk, you know, it's not a far walk, but I'll question it. I'll be like, oh, can I really be bothered getting sweaty for one geocation a kilometer? But when you're with friends and they're like, all right, get out, we're going for a walk and it's a kilometer, you kind of go, oh, okay, I guess I'll do it. Uh, So I think that that way, like it's taught me that I can do more than I give myself credit for. Mm That said, I'm still not going to do it by myself, but, you know. Well, it sounds like you at least understand what your motivations are. Yeah. Which is clearly kind of the more social aspect. Yeah. Tell me about your approach to geocaching. It's my understanding that everyone has some sort of personal approach. So when I started geocaching, I mentioned a little bit earlier that when I started geocaching, in my head it was kind of all about the numbers and I wanted to find every geocache no matter what it was. And I think I burnt myself out a little bit. I was doing a lot of power trails and a lot of just finding everything. And it almost just stalled my passion and I was just like I don't want to find just another micro size container in somewhere that you know like I I don't hate guardrail caches but when your eighth cache for the day is another magnetic micro in a guardrail it starts getting a little bit repetitive Mm -hmm. so I guess these days I really focus more on geocaches that will take me to a special location The majority of the geocaches I've found in the last, I want to say three years, have been when I've been traveling. So I use geocaches to show me around a place more so than just, I want to get out and find a geocache. It's, I'm going to this spot, is there a geocache there? I guess that's really the two different mind frames that I've transitioned to in the last three to four years. And do you ever go to a place because it has a geocache that you want? Like, is that a thing? Yeah. So when I was in Sydney in 2016, I went uh, with Captain Terra. We spent an entire morning to go and find a cache called Lane Cove. It's the one of the oldest in the country, I believe. And we really wanted to find it. So we specifically went out to find that geocache. Yeah, right. Similarly, if we're doing a road trip and there's a really great geocache in this city compared to that city, then we'll go via city A, not city B. Uh, I've never been like... I'm going to go to Singapore airport just so I can get the yeah. cache in the Singapore airport. Um, it's That's not who I am. Um, yeah, it's definitely more location before geocache for me. But sounds like it definitely does influence your location a bit. Yeah, like if things are fairly equal and it's just which one has the, the more pros, I guess, a geocache is definitely going to be in that pro list of visiting somewhere compared mm-hmm. to the con list like it's it's something that i enjoy um it's going to carry a little bit of weight towards my decision but not make the decision for me yeah that makes sense do you have a favorite memory from geocaching at all i have so many so many wonderful memories but i was thinking about this because i thought you'd ask it because i ask most of my guests if they have like one standout i listen to all your episodes by the way oh so good for a non-geocation. Yeah. It's amazing. So one of my favorite 
memories that geocaching has created. I was in 2012 and I was in London with my mom. She's visited London a few times, but we kind of had a week before we, we split ways and I went on my tour and she went off and I wanted to cram everything in that I could. So instead of looking at the guidebooks and maps, I just looked at the geocaching map and I looked for the majority of geocaches that have favorite points. I really like virtual caches over the traditional, so I kind of targeted them. And we had the best week just finding so many things. Um, I never knew about the monument in London. Uh, we climbed St. Paul's Cathedral just so that I could get the geocache at the top. Uh, we found so many random little things about Dickens or strange things that I never thought I'd know about. And it was just from following the geocaching map, which is completely free. And I didn't have to pay for tours or anything because I could read descriptions. And mum had a great time. She's not a geocacher, but, uh, apart from one day where she asked, can we please not find any more geocaches today? <laughs> she seemed to have a really good time doing it. And yeah. I think that that's a memory that we may not have gotten if I didn't geocache because I wouldn't have known where to take us and we would have just followed a normal tour guide, kind of self-guided map or something. Yeah, of course, that everybody else is doing Yeah, as well. Is there at all a standout massive moment at all? I think that the, the one... So, like, if we're talking about something that I put the most effort into, sure. that kind of thing, I was in a group that ran the first Queensland Mega event, mm -hmm. uh, which was a weekend-long event over the Easter weekend in 2015. So I came into the Queensland Mega Committee a little bit later in the uh, experience. The group had already decided where they were holding it, uh, when it was, and I came on board uh, to look at the sponsorship and kind of merchandise side of things, which I loved doing. And together, the seven of us just had so many obstacles and so many highlights and challenges and we worked together really well and we pulled off the best mega I've ever been to probably because it was the only mega I've ever been to <laughs> which is a challenge in itself trying to replicate something that I had no idea oh, of course what it was but it was also really great doing that because I had no this is how they've always done it I could just do what I thought would work out well yep um and feedback was that it was a really good mega event and i get a little rush of endorphins every time i see someone wearing one of our queensland mega shirts it's like oh look that's something that we <laughs> created oh i helped choose those colors so yeah i think that that's probably the biggest like standout thing that i've been part of for the community um yeah i think kind of that mega event and the london trip were probably the two most memorable things to me yeah i'm annoyed now that i didn't ask you if there was a standout mega moment mm, well <laughs> what's next then what's next for you so without trying i have geocached in six of the eight states or territories in australia mm -hmm. and what are you missing Tasmania and ACT. Didn't you live in Tasmania? Yeah, I moved out of Hobart like six months before I learned about geocaching. Oh. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it upsets me a lot. Yeah. And we were meant to, my mum and I were meant to visit Hobart uh, in the middle of August, but then COVID happened. So that 
that little tick in the box is still waiting. So next, my next goal is to get all eight marked off. That's kind of like a, a background goal. But I am looking more at kind of finding the geocaches that my friends have hidden and converting those into smileys, uh, kind of finding more adventures and fun that way and probably more podcasting. Um, Good. Yeah. And then final question to someone who's brand new at geocaching, what would you recommend to them? It's interesting because every guest I ask will often answer the same three things. It'll be, to find a lot of geocaches before you hide your first one. A mm-hmm. hundred, I believe. <laughs> At least, yes. <laughs> to get along to events so then you can create friendships because the hobby is better with friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third is often if you need help to ask someone, either ask the cache owner or someone that you've met at events, you can give them a call and ask for help. I guess the the recommendation that I would have, apart from listening to all of my other recommendations, would be to find your group. So in geocaching, there is a, a massive community. Uh, in Southeast Queensland, we have have a Facebook group called Geocaching Southeast Queensland that has 1,500 people in it. I checked this morning uh, because I was looking for one particular member to have a chat to. And whilst I will talk to all of those people. I also have just a little group of geocaching friends who I can bounce ideas off that I trust to tell me if something is a bad idea or someone who I trust to tell me net you probably can't do that hike. It's probably just a little bit out of your capabilities. So having that kind of brain's trust group that you can bounce ideas off is really important. And I think that my geocaching experience would have been completely different if I didn't have that core group of people to help me through. I think my recommendation is to not only get out and meet people at events, but to actively build friendships and relationships with those people and be the person for someone else that will be honest with them and tell them that their geocache idea is silly and is never going to work or that they might not be able to do that hike because hearing it instead of just experiencing it yourself can save a lot of heartache. Yeah. All right. That's all the questions that I have. Thank you, Nat, so much for allowing me to be part of your podcast and for being on the other side of the microphone for once. Yeah, it's definitely an experience. I know why my guests look so nervous when they walk into (laughs) the door now. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today, Kate, and taking over the hosting responsibilities. I am very happy to take it back now, though. (laughs) and happy birthday thank you i love my birthday (laughs) if you would like to be a guest on an episode or have a topic you would like me to cover you can message me through my geocaching profile the link is in the episode notes happy geocaching